There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. 97.1 FM The Drive presents the Behind the Song Podcast, taking you deeper into classic rock's most timeless tunes. Here's your host, Janda. In this episode of Behind the Song, we're heading down to Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. This is the song that inspired a saxophone craze in the late 70s and early 80s, and it's impossible to think about this song without hearing that famous sax solo in your head. Everybody knows it, and for Jerry Rafferty, the song became his signature. But like all good rock and roll stories, there's some drama, particularly regarding that sax solo. I'll get to that in a bit, but first let's dig into what led Rafferty to write this classic song. Rafferty was born in 1947 in the projects in Scotland, specifically a council house called Fergusley Park in Paisley, Scotland, near Glasgow. His Irish father was a coal miner, as was his grandfather, and financially, the family was poor working class. Rafferty's father, Joseph, was also an alcoholic, abusive to him, his mother Mary, and his two brothers, Jim and Joe. It was a hard childhood, softened by the Scots and Irish lullabies that his mother would sing to her boys. By the mid-60s, influenced by the music of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, he became convinced that music was the only thing he wanted to do. He certainly wasn't going to go work in a coal mine like his father and grandfather. So he started playing with friends, and for a time, busking in London, and eventually joined a folk group called The Humble Bums with a fellow Scot, the comedian Bill Connolly. By 1971, the duo had gone their separate ways, and Rafferty was signed as a solo artist to the Transatlantic label and released an album, which sparked the admiration of some critics, but didn't really pay the rent. In 1972, he joined a former classmate of his that he used to play with back in high school, Joe Egan, to form the band Steeler's Wheel, performing songs written and produced by the American songwriting partners Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, who had been responsible for major hits for Elvis Presley and others. Their magic worked with Steeler's Wheel too. Stuck in the Middle with You, released on Steeler's Wheel's debut album in 1972, became an international hit and went to number six on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart. But all that success didn't keep Steeler's Wheel together. He and Egan were involved in legal disputes almost from the start, and they broke up by 1975. And success and fame was something that really didn't align with Jerry Rafferty's working-class ideals to begin with. He was very uncomfortable with the music business, and in fact, with stardom itself. He hated it didn't trust it, didn't trust the intentions of people in the business. This wasn't helped by all the legal trouble he experienced during and after Steeler's Wheel. For three years after they disbanded, Rafferty wasn't allowed to release any new material due to all the red tape. 
But he continued to write, and from 1975 to 1978, he was burning up the roads between his home in Glasgow and London, 400 miles away, where he would meet with his lawyers to try to get out of his legal predicament. Always a voracious reader, it was during this time that he became heavily influenced by a book called The Outsider, written by Colin Wilson. The book offers a philosophical take on the subject of outsiders in society, using characters in other books by writers like Kafka, Dostoevsky, Nietzsche, and more to examine what it means to live and work outside the boundaries of society, feeling dislocated and out of step with the world. Reading this on the miles traveled between Glasgow and London and in view of his own experience with his talent and how the music business had him temporarily hogtied in terms of releasing that music, Rafferty wrote his second solo album and called it, appropriately, City to City. He spent a lot of time in London writing, playing guitar, and talking with a friend who had an apartment on Baker Street. The same Baker Street made famous as the fictional address of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes. And Baker Street, named after the apartment that he spent so much time in when he was in London, became the title of the song that made him the most famous and the most financially comfortable for the rest of his life, once it was finally released on the City to City album in 1978. Ironic, given that the song is mired in a character who can't obtain his dreams of a different life because he's a directionless drunk, an outsider even to his own happiness. Baker Street starts with that hypnotic sax solo, and then the lyrics. Winding your way down on Baker Street, light in your head and dead on your feet. Well, another crazy day. You'll drink the night away and forget about everything. With these first lyrics, I'll mention that Rafferty did have a problematic relationship with alcohol. It was something that he struggled with all his life, and it is what eventually killed him in 2011. So it's not hard to imagine that in the troubled period after Steeler's Wheel disbanded and he was working hard to extricate himself from the legal quagmire that followed, that he would turn to the bottle to help forget his troubles for a while. And the song goes on. This city desert makes you feel so cold. It's got so many people, but it's got no soul. And it's taken you so long to find out you were wrong when you thought it held everything. Disillusioned away from his wife and young daughter back in Scotland, in the city that once held such promise for him, but now felt cold, London. How many times have you listened to this song in a period of your life when the chips were down and it just sounded so right in that moment? Because we've all had thoughts like this, as the song continues. You used to think that it was so easy. You used to say that it was so easy. But you're trying. You're trying now. Another year and then you'd be happy. Just one more year and then you'd be happy. But you're crying. You're crying now. Right? It's easy to put the future into a kind of warm, glowing bubble. Just one more year and this hardship, whatever it is, will be over. For Rafferty, the legal drama. So he's telling himself to hang in there. But it's hard. The character in this song is busting the pavement in pursuit of a better life, but it's kind of crushing him right now. The song goes on. 
Way down the street, there's a light in his place. He opens the door, he's got that look on his face, and he asks you where you've been. You tell him who you've seen, and you talk about anything. He's got this dream about buying some land. He's going to give up the booze and the one-night stands, and then he'll settle down in some quiet little town and forget about everything. Rafferty's character dreams of a quieter life, free from the trappings of the city, the alcohol, and the meaningless affairs, a house in the country, settling down. But that dream is just that, a dream, because this character is kind of doomed to remain an outsider, as the lyrics continue. But you know he'll always keep moving. You know he's never going to stop moving, because he's the Rolling Stone. But then the end of the song provides a glimmer of hope for this driftless drunk. Maybe for Rafferty, the ending here symbolized the end of his long, drawn-out legal battles and how he could finally go back to Scotland satisfied. And when you wake up, it's a new morning. The sun is shining, it's a new morning. And you're going home. In Baker Street, Rafferty is singing about his problems coming to terms with how his own art was affected by commerce and about his own private drinking problem. The song was a huge smash, going to number two in the U.S., and the City to City album went to number one. British journalist Paul Gambaccini summed it up pretty well. He said, Baker Street was about how uncomfortable Rafferty felt in the star system. And what do you know, it was a giant world hit. Suddenly, as a result of his protest, he was a bigger star than ever. And now he had more of what he didn't like. And probably due to the amazing success of the song, drama arose around the sax solo that sort of defines it. Rafferty wrote the part to be played on guitar and recorded a demo of it that way, but decided it was weak. His guitarist, Hugh Burns, said that Rafferty then decided to use a saxophone for that part because he said he had actually always heard it that way. So he hired saxophonist Raphael Ravenscroft to play it. After the album was released and the song was at the top of the charts, Ravenscroft claimed that he, in fact, wrote the saxophone part and said that he should have writing credit and royalties. This was shot down in court due to the fact that Rafferty could prove that he wrote it by playing the demo tapes of the song with the saxophone part played on guitar. It's no wonder Ravenscroft tried to lay claim to what is the signature part of Baker Street, and considering the fact that he was reportedly only paid about 27 pounds for playing sax on the recording session, a check that later bounced, according to legend, it's easy to see why he would want to try to get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. He still did pretty well on the heels of Baker Street, though. Because of his performance on the song, he became a sought-after sax player, working with Pink Floyd and other mega bands. And there's another controversy that swirls around that unforgettable saxophone riff. Back in the late 60s, a sax player named Steve Marcus released an album called Tomorrow Never Knows. On that album is a song called Half a Heart, and in the first few seconds of the song, the sax riff does sound eerily similar to the one in Rafferty's Baker Street. The album is pretty obscure. The original only sold about a thousand copies. But you can find the song on YouTube, and those first few seconds will likely shock you. 
Whether either Rafferty or Ravenscroft had ever heard the Steve Marcus song remains a mystery. Rafferty maintains that he wrote every part of Baker Street. And having that part played on the saxophone was a stroke of genius. It caused a Baker Street phenomenon after the song was released. Suddenly, sax was a hot instrument, not only appearing in pop and rock songs, but also in TV commercials. And sales of saxophones went up worldwide. Suddenly, everybody wanted to blow the horn. As for Jerry Rafferty, it's reported that Baker Street afforded him 80,000 pounds a year for the rest of his life from the publishing and airplay royalties. And it was the pinnacle of his success. He released other albums afterward, but none touched City to City. And he refused to tour in later years, preferring to write and produce songs in his home studios, eventually releasing them himself on his own website without a manager or a record label, finally free of the music business that left such a terrible impression on him. And unfortunately, Rafferty's story ended too soon. After years of alcoholism, divorcing his wife, and going on binges trashing hotel rooms, he died of organ failure in a hospital in Dorset, England in 2011. He was 63. Baker Street has been covered by everyone from the Foo Fighters to Waylon Jennings to Lisa Simpson. Slash has said that it was his inspiration for the guitar solo in the Guns N' Roses song, Sweet Child of Mine. And this song about an outsider who just wants to have a happy life, despite his demons, will continue to inspire new songwriters and new saxophone players forever. I'm Janda, and this has been Behind the Song. Special thanks to Christian Lane for sound design and engineering. On the way, episodes on songs by the band, Warren Zevon, and more classic rock and roll. Put the power of podcasting to work for your business. You can be part of Behind the Song and reach potential customers inside every episode. To advertise your product or service by sponsoring Behind the Song, send an email to podcast at hubbardradio.com now.